Let's turn to Psalm 91. Let's get right into it here. Thank you for being here today, church. I know for some of you it may have been a temptation not to be here, but you went ahead and did it anyway. So let's go ahead and look at Psalm 91. And if you watched any social media recently or you were here last Sunday on our family day, we broke open a new series. And what we talked about last week was Jesus is in trouble. And we found out that he's in trouble to get us out of trouble. In other words, you're not alone when you're in trouble. And the more aware of Jesus with you, the less you're going to take the fear and worry route, which will actually steer you away from the deliverance he wants you to have. You, you, we have to get this revelation. Just because we feel like we're alone in the battles of life does not mean we are alone right. in the battles of life. Just because you don't feel like you're loved doesn't mean you're not loved. Just because you feel like you're alone doesn't mean you're alone. You are always loved and you are never alone if you're a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, you know, you're loved, but he, he's not going to come live inside of you unless you open the door. And he, you can't claim Jesus saying, I'll never leave you nor forsake you if you're not a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you better claim it. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. And so we want to talk today about how to activate the protection of the Lord in the crisis of life. Because the protection of God's for everybody. If God ever protected one person from something destructive or hurtful, he's obligated himself to protect all people. Because Ephesians 6, 9, Acts 10, 20, uh, 34, uh, I think it's uh, 2 Peter, uh, Romans 2, 11, there's like four scriptures in the New Testament that say clearly God is no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. What he's done for one, he'll do for all. Now you have to line up like the others have lined up and make sure you're not refusing or violating something that would keep you under his protection. But as far as the will of God, God wants everybody delivered and protected from whatever crisis or storm may come your way. And here's the interesting thing. Storms are going to come and you're going to get in trouble. But the words you need to have ingrained in your spirit when trouble comes and it looks like your prayer didn't work, you need to just say, it ain't over yet. Right? right? I mean, what, what kind of a story for our kids would it have been? And even ourselves, are you kidding? This is a, this is a meaty story. What, what kind of a Sunday school story would it have been if uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, all right, we're throwing you three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace. We're going to turn up seven times hotter, and you're going to be toast. What kind of a Bible story would it have been if, if it would have been Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, you guys, I had a change of mind. Um, everything's cool. Talk to you later. It's way cooler that they were thrown in the fire. Now, I'm not saying God did this just to be cool. I'm just saying that just because you enter into trouble doesn't mean you're not going to get out of trouble. Just, I mean, you ever think about it? Trouble comes. Well, so does deliverance. Why are we more expectant for trouble to happen than freedom and deliverance to happen? Because we grew up in a world that's bent on trouble and negativism and all this other stuff. It's like people quick, quickly believe negative reports, but they got to sit there and think a while about this positive report now. I mean, somebody coming flying in the room today and said, oh, there's an accident out there. Man, there's blood everywhere. People are dying. These cars are all over the place. We'd be going, oh, wow, you're kidding me. We'd be freaking out, going, totally believing. But if somebody came running and said, oh, man, he should have went out there. This guy got hit by a car and God just raised him from the dead. We'd probably be going, what? 
Why would we be more prone to believe a negative report than a positive? It's just the world we live in. We've been trained wrong and we have to untrain ourselves. But I want you to look here at Psalm 91. We're talking about the protection of the Lord, how to activate and appropriate the protection of the Lord in this crazy world. And in Psalm 91, look at verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> he that dwells in the secret place or lives in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, before you read any further, <clears throat> the whole psalm talks about divine protection in evil times. And so the very first thing that the Lord says is it matters where you are. It matters. We, we can't just go anywhere we want to go and do whatever we want to do and expect the protection of the Lord to be around us. You know, I was reading Revelation. We read this a few weeks ago in Revelation chapter 2. It says in chapter 2 that God, uh, Jesus spoke to the church of Pergamos and said, he said, now, I know your works and I know where you live and I know where Satan's seat is in that city. It's like the devil himself took it upon himself to set up his throne in Pergamos in the invisible world so he could have greater influence there. And then it goes on, he said, it says where, where Satan lives. So Satan like lived geographically in the realm of the spirit in this city called Pergamos. I think it's part of Turkey now or something. But anyway, and then one of his faithful, martyr, uh, one of his faithful servants was martyred there. And I thought, wow. Well, listen, if you're going to be in a place where Satan's dwelling and having all kinds of freedom and havoc to do stuff, how many of you know you're close to danger? The only way you should be in a place like that is if you know the Lord called you. Like my son Isaac, he's called to be a servant of God in the police force, Grand Junction Police Department. He's called to go into these situations. That's different. I remember one time I went to a nightclub right after I got saved here in town, right after I got saved. And my only intention was to witness to the band members because I knew them. And I walked into the nightclub and I started hearing they were playing some Ozzy Osbourne song or something. And I walked in there and I drank, started drinking a Sprite or something. And I tell you, something jumped on me. I felt like a spirit just jumped on me. It freaked me out. Everything changed. It's like things, I saw things differently. And I heard the Spirit of God say, get out of here. You're on the devil's territory. I didn't call you to come witness to him right now. You just chose to do it in your own accord. I got out of there, got in my car, started driving down the road, pulled over. And, and I said, Lord, I am so sorry. And immediately that thing left me and I was totally free. Amen. But see, I got on the devil's territory unauthorized. Yeah. The Lord didn't tell me to. Now, if I was a police officer, the Lord called me to do it. That would have been different. I was a baby Christian. And I think the enemy knew. I'm going to try to scare this guy right from the start. But anyway, I'm, I'm saying all this to say this. If, if you're in the right place, it's so important. Church, you got to It's so vitally important to not just have the mindset, I'm going to go my own way. Or I did it my way. Why? Because it's dangerous. God's plan for your life is full of protection and blessing. Right? Where God sends, He protects. And I just want to encourage you. So don't, don't think the first part of this verse is just a, a calligraphy thing on the wall. This is important. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's talking about being in Christ, but it's also talking about following His will for your life. That doesn't automatically happen because you're saved. You don't automatically live in the perfect will of God just because you're saved. You can live in the perfect will of God and get on the devil's territory like I did. So what's the next verse say? 
I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Okay, skip to verse 15. God's talking now. He says, he, says, he, talking about me or you, God said he or she shall call upon me. God said I will answer him. God said I'll be with him in trouble. Everybody say Jesus is in trouble. Why is he in trouble? Did he do something wrong? No, he's in trouble because he promised to, take, to be with you. And, everybody say and. and. Is that what I said here? I'll be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor him. So why is the Lord in trouble? Not because he did anything wrong. Why is he in trouble? Why is the Lord even bothering to be in trouble? Because if one of his kids are in trouble, then he wants to get them out of trouble. I don't think... Um, I don't think the church world yet has, has grown to certain levels that, we're, that we need to in these last days. Most of the church world is going to believe Jesus is with us in trouble. But there's a reason he's with us and we need to go to the next part of the verse right. and believe that part yes. as much as the first part. Amen. Most of the church world believes that Jesus is with them in trouble. And that's where it starts. Because listen church, if you believe Jesus Christ, the creator of all things, greater than all, almighty God is with you. Why be afraid? Huh? He's a good father. The reason people don't see deliverance at times is not because God didn't want to set them free. It's because they got on a worry road and a fear road away from the help of God. Now, I know we heard a marvelous testimony today about God healing even in the midst of fear. And how many of you know at times He does that just out of His mercy and grace? But as a rule, it doesn't happen all the time. God at times expects us to grow and to develop eventually and to start walking by faith. He'll do that. You know, a lot of people are waiting for God to initiate a miracle for them and they're dying. Why didn't God initiate a miracle for everybody? I don't know, but that doesn't mean you can't initiate one and do what He told you to do and receive that. There's more than one way to receive healing and deliverance and help from the Lord. And a lot of people are focusing only on God initiating. God initiating. You can look through scriptures many times in the New Testament. Jesus said the people initiated the healing by having faith. Your faith made you whole, Jesus said. As you have believed, so be it done unto you. Your faith, great faith. He gave credit to the person's faith as why they could receive the healing that the Lord wanted them to have. And so I, I encourage you, be encouraged by these testimonies. Oh my goodness, the Lord does amazing things, sovereign things at times, powerful things that people don't even deserve. But that doesn't mean you can't receive by doing the things He tells you to do. Hmm? Talking like He tells you to talk, believing like He tells you to believe. So I want you to notice, He said, He'll be with you in trouble, and He said, I will deliver you. So let's believe the I will deliver you part. Right. Can we? Yes. You know, Psalm 22, the psalmist, Jesus quoted this psalm on the cross. And David said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a question a lot of people have today. I mean, oh, God's not going to forsake his kids. But a lot of people think he is. Jesus was a different situation because he took our place and took sin upon himself. But he did that so we wouldn't have to be in that place. But in Psalm 22, 
David said, why have you forsaken me? He, he, he didn't know what was, it looked to him like God had forsaken him. How many know God's not going to forsake you if he told you I'm not going to forsake you? Right. right? Now you can forsake his way. You can back off from his plan. You can get out from under his protection. But that's not the umbrella's fault. That's not the Lord's fault. If you get out from under the umbrella and you get wet, don't blame the umbrella. Why, God? Why, God? What do you mean? God already said in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Matthew 28 says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the age. Come on, if he's not with us, he lied. He didn't lie. He's with you. If you're a believer, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Everybody say, nor forsake you. But people get out from under the protection of God at times. And that is not what you want, man. You want to stay right in the middle of God's protection. The Bible says Jonah from the belly of the great fish, he started praying and got some heavy revelation. He said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. That's different than God saying, no, I don't want to help you. You can forsake your own mercy at times. Hmm. So, look with me in Daniel 3, and let's look at these scriptures again, just a few of them. We won't read the whole story today. We did read some of it last Sunday. Can you say this with me? Jesus, Jesus. is in trouble. So why is he in trouble? Not because he did something wrong. He, he's, he's, with, he's in trouble with you to help get you out of trouble. And how many of you realize sometimes you're not in trouble because you did something wrong. Sometimes you're in trouble because you did something right. Notice Jesus didn't show up until they were cast into the fire. A lot of people are missing opportunities to see miraculous appearances of Jesus and powerful deliverance because they're not bold enough in their stand for God that attracts the kind of person they need the fourth man for. Attracts the kind of persecution that they need the fourth man for. So just because you're in trouble doesn't mean you did something wrong. It could mean you did something right. And, and it's so interesting that these three Hebrew children did... Actually, you have to back up to chapter 1. We're not going to do it, but you have to see what kind of people these guys were. What kind of people can have faith that God's going to deliver them from a fiery furnace once they're thrown in? Hmm? See, you need to realize Hebrews 11 said that these three Hebrew children escaped the violence of fire. They escaped the fire. Hebrews 11 says they did it by faith. The, the fire had no power over them. The guys that threw them in singed and burnt to a crisp. But they fell into the fire, tied up and bound. And not too much longer after that, a fourth man appears and they all start walking in the fire together. And the king says, didn't we just throw three in? I see four. The fourth one looks like the son of God. And all these astrologers and magicians said, yeah, king, we did. We see the same thing. And the king changed his mind. How many know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not have seen that miracle if they would have compromised and said, oh, you know what, okay, well, we're going to bow, but, but, but you know, we, we love the Lord, and, and we're just, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and bow, and, 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 but you know, we love the Lord, and oh, Father, forgive me. You want to know one of the reasons they had a non-compromising attitude and they had faith that God would deliver them from the fiery furnace? Because they were sold out to God. 
You read chapter 1, they would not eat the king's meat. They would not drink the king's wine. They would not defile themselves with anything the world was trying to put into their life. They were living for God. They loved God more than anything. And God gave them skill and wisdom, and they rose to the heights of their business. I mean, they were wiser than anybody in the kingdom. The king set them all over all these other princes and people. And I mean, like, they're rocking. The world loves these guys. I mean, the world is going, man, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, man, you guys are amazing. Here, have this position. Have that position. How many know if the world does, when the world sees blessings in our life and the skill and the wisdom that God's given us and how it's benefiting even the people we're working for, how many know they're going to like you? But you mark it down. There's coming a time where you will be pressured to compromise your faith. And if you're more in love with the people than you are with the Lord, you'll bow. Well, pastor, if I stood up for Jesus in this situation, if I stood up for the Lord in this situation, I might lose my job. They, they about lost their lives and the fourth man showed up. So even if you did lose your job, the Lord would be with you in that trouble and he would get you a better job a couple days later probably. Or the same hour. But see, people never get that far to where they have to see the fourth man. Thank God for, you know, it said they didn't defile themselves with the world stuff. They prospered in the world. They were in business. God was prospering them. But there came a time when the world challenged them and said, now we've got this over here. And we want you to be a part of it. And you know in your heart and you know from the Word of God, it is not the will of God. Now you've got a decision to make. Do you compromise? Do you, do you bend a few convictions and keep fitting in so the world still loves you and they still think you're cool? Or do you stand up for the Lord and lose everything but not the fourth man? Because he'll be there to lift you higher than you were ever before. Because, I mean, church, they need to see a miracle. They're not going to see a miracle if we're compromising. They're not going to see a miracle if we're just kind of, you know, conforming to everything they want. There's times you can have to stand up and say, listen, I love you guys, and I like working for you, but I won't do that. How many of you might get fired? How many know that? Well, who's with you in that trouble? And why is he there? To promote you. And the very thing that was supposed to destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got the king saved. And if they hadn't stood up, if they hadn't allowed, if they hadn't st stood their ground and, and been thrown into the fiery furnace, the king wouldn't have saw no miracle and he still would have been ungodly. But then he made, he made a decree, everybody's going to serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, he delivered them from the fiery furnace. So Daniel 3, just read it here with me, verse 15. Now, if you, the king said, now if you be ready, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because see, they didn't bow to his 90-foot tall, 9-foot wide golden god, statue of himself or something. <laughs> just like the world, right? I made this big statue of me, and now you bow to it, or you're going in the fire. You can interpret that any way you want in today's culture and anything because things come our way all the time from the world that try to get us to conform. And you know what? You know what, church? I'm not, I'm not so sure the days we're living in right now that they might start putting some of us in jail for certain things. If we don't compromise our faith. If you'd live Christianity properly you're going to have some trouble. 
Not rocking the boat is not our calling. <laughs> I think we're called more to turn boats over than to not rock the boat. There's coming time. I'm, I'm starting to see more and more people that you thought would never go certain directions. They think they're doing it in the name of love and care and concern. But who is love? And what did love himself say about those things? Right. I mean, you think, wow, we just... We, you know, how many of you know you can accept a person and not accept their lifestyle? Right. You can love a person and hate their lifestyle. Right? I mean, you can love a person and hate the drugs they're on. Right? If we're going to do this thing right, church, we're going to have some trouble. But Jesus is also in trouble. So what do we got to worry about? And he's greater than all. So read on here. It says, the king said, now so as soon as you hear the sound of the music... The sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, it'll be well with you. But if you don't worship, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God that shall deliver you out of my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. So in other words, we don't have to think about this. Why? Because they were sold out to God before this happened. They were living undefiled. They were living lives pure before God. They, had, they were able to believe for this. That's a very important statement you need to get today. Are you able to believe for divine protection if, if pr trouble comes your way? Because you need to make sure you're not doing anything to hurt your faith. Living in sin will hurt your faith. You know, known sin. Practicing things you know aren't right will cause your faith to be hurt. You can't have confidence toward God if you're living in these areas because your heart will condemn you. So they said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Go ahead. If it be so, if what be so? If you throw us in the fire. If you throw us in the fire, right? Our God is able to deliver us. Now, he's not saying, if it be so, if God is able. They knew God was able. God created the planets. God's able to deliver us. So he's not, he's not answering the He's not saying, if God will deliver us. He's saying, if you throw us in the fire. They're not questioning God's ability here. That's ridiculous. These guys were smart. No, he's saying, if you throw us in the fire. If you throw us in the fire, the God whom we serve is able to do it, to deliver us from the burning fire of furnace, and he will deliver us out of your king, out of your hand, O king. So what they just say? They talked faith. They say, you know what, king? I could just sense the anointing all over these guys this day. King, listen. Listen, if you throw us in the fire, our God's able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. I know other translations bring out something else, but I don't like those other translations. Those are not translations anyway. They're paraphrased. They're versions. They're not translations. They need, I don't know why we call them translations, but King James is a word-for-word -word translation. So it says, He is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us. What does that sound like? Sounds like they know the Scriptures. Sounds like they know Psalm 91. God's going to be with us in trouble, and He's going to deliver us. And what are they doing? They're activating their divine protection by saying it. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge. I will say, I will say, I will say, right? 
Psalm 91, verse 2, before all the protection scriptures, says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my protector, my fortress, my God, and I trust Him in this protection area. Because, you know, I quoted you earlier, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? King David said, he felt like God had forsaken him. Verse 4, it says, Lord, you delivered all the fathers because they trusted in you. He's reminding himself, oh, I, I just can't cry. I've got to believe God here. I've got to get in faith about this. Okay, next verse. But if not, what if not? If you don't throw us in the fire, not if God doesn't deliver us. It just said he was going to. They're not schizo. See, people have misinterpreted this. He's not saying, if God doesn't deliver us. That'd be like saying, if God lied. Because they had read Psalm 91. But what? what? If you don't throw us in, O king, if for some reason you have a change of heart, and you like all our wisdom, and if you don't throw us in the fire, if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. If you don't throw us in, we're still not serving your gods. Right? If you don't throw us in, be known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Then we know he's not talking about if God doesn't deliver us, because duh, they're, they're toast. Of course they're not going to worship. worship. <laughs> of course they're not going to worship no dumb god. They're going to be a pile of ashes. If you, don't, if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. If you don't throw us in, don't think we're going to conform to your little god here. We still won't worship your dumb god. Your golden statue. Huh? How many of you want the Lord to be with you in trouble and to protect you and deliver you? Anybody want that? Next verse. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed. We found out what that meant last week, right? Just a little visual there. The form of his visage changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he, the king, commanded the most mighty men, that was a dumb mistake on his part because he lost him that day. <laughs> he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. The, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Now just remember this, church. No burning, fiery furnace, no fourth man needs to appear. Just because you're in trouble doesn't mean you're not going to get out. So read on. It says, Therefore, because of the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shad excuse me, slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were they were toast in a second, the ones that threw them in. Just go, keep going. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste and spoke and said unto his counselors. Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire. Walking. Everybody say walking. walking. Just taking a walk in the midst of the fire. <laughs> right? And they have, they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth and come here. 
Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth. They stepped out of the midst of the fire. Interesting. And the princes, governors, and captains, and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whom upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. So they got in trouble. Right? They got in trouble. Big trouble. But they weren't alone. This is not a cute little Bible story. This is an actual event that happened in our history. And the same God that did that for them is alive and well today. No matter what trouble you're in, you need to take a few hints from these guys right here. Number one, just live a sold-out life to God. Can you do that? Can you just be sold out to God? I'm going to show you two more scriptures before we close that I think will really kind of, uh, they might surprise you, but turn to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. I said a lot. I'm, I'm sorry if I spoke too fast, but you can get the archive later. It's going to be uploaded immediately as, as quick as possible, hopefully on Monday. Uh, live will be on Facebook already today. But I want you to look at Matthew 23 out of the NIV. And we're going to read. I, I want to ask you a question. Why does it seem like God does not want some people protected because of the destruction that comes their way? Why? Why? Why do we see some people protected and delivered and some people go down and they're not protected and they're not delivered? Why? What, how many think that's a pretty good question? Might as well ask it, right? Because the Lord's got an answer for it. Well, here's the thing we need to realize. God's will is not being enforced on anybody. God's not making anybody get saved and He's not making anybody receive divine protection. God can't receive for us. You, we receive by faith. They got delivered, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 34 says, because they had faith. In God, their protector. How many of you have faith in God, your forgiver? Amen. How many have faith in God, your Savior from sins and you're going to heaven? How many of you have that kind of bold faith in God, your protector from temporal evils? bondages and problems in this earth realm. See, you're going to get what you believe for, not just what God wants you to have. I said you're going to get what you believe for, not just what God wants you to have. You're going to get what you believe for, because believing is opening the door, and God's a gentleman. He won't crawl through the window like the devil and a thief. You get what you believe for. And how's your faith released? Come on, Psalm 91.2. Let me quote it to you, okay? Psalm 91.1 He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's important where you're at, right? right? Saved in Christ and in the will of God. Right? Number two, number two, I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, which means my shield, my fortress, my God. In Him, in these areas of protection, I will trust. you got to say it. They said it. They say, hey, King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. If you're going to throw us in the fire, our God's able to deliver us, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. If you don't throw us in the fire, we're still not going to bow to your dumb gods if you have some kind of change of heart or something. Right. Huh? We're not going to bow. And if you throw us in, God's going to get us out. Right. You know why a lot of people don't see deliverance when they're in trouble? They don't talk like this. These things aren't real to them. 
and them being destroyed is not God wanting it to happen. Just like people ending up in hell is not the will of God. No, there's some things we need to realize. They had to believe, they had to say, and they got a miracle. You gotta, we gotta, you know, people start talking about all the crazy things, the shootings and the, the, the wars and the rumors of wars. We need to stand and say, you know what? Yeah, it's, it's going all around me. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand people may fall at my right hand, but it will not come near me. He say, how arrogant can you be? You need to go look up the difference between arrogance and confidence because you need to be confident in this crazy world if you want to see the power of God show up. Right? We shall boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. That's New Testament. Right? We boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Where? When? Here in the midst of all this crazy stuff. Now, you take the fire and, you, and translate that into a pistol or a gun. Right? I mean, same thing, right? Fire kills you, gun kills you. What do you think, what kind of intervention would happen if somebody pulled a gun on you and said, I'm going to kill you? What kind of intervention? Well, is a bullet more powerful than a fiery furnace heated seven times hotter? Can God protect him in the furnace but not from a bullet? Huh? Now, why are we sharing all these things? Listen, we're not sharing these things because we're afraid to die. We're not afraid to die. To be with Christ is far better. Are you kidding me? We get to see the Father when we leave our bodies. So why are we teaching these things? Because in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men are going to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away, Paul said. In the last days, Jesus said, iniquity would abound and the love of many would wax cold. The Bible talks about tribulation in the last days like the world's never seen. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. So we have a job to do, church, and we need some divine protection to do it. And we need to be like David, Moses, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and boldly declare in the midst of these evil times, the Lord is my helper. Yeah. He's my shield. He's my protector. Now that's hard to do if you know you're not sold out to God. And when I say sold out to God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were sold out to God, but they were right in the middle of the corporate world, rising higher than anybody. You can be totally sold out to God in the midst of the corporate world. But your sold outness will be tested. And you're going to be tempted to hang on to the friends and the parties and the money at the expense of your stand for God. It was going great for these guys. You go, ah, they're ahead of other princes. They're on top. I mean, Daniel's sitting with the king. He didn't even have to bow. I mean, all the, uh, these Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're up there. One day, I'm there having the time of their life. But you better not be so glued to worldly success that when you're tempted to compromise or to shut up about Jesus, that you buckle. 
Huh? And we think, well, I might lose my job. What are they about lose? Yeah. What, what are they about lose? But what did they see because of their stand of faith? What did they see? They saw the supernatural power of God and a fourth man came on the scene and delivered them from the power of the fire. Well, that same fourth man can deliver you from the power of bullets. Right? Come on, what does the Bible say? Let me quote this to you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31, in the, the Good News translation, it says, you can get horses ready for battle. You can get guns. You can get weapons. But it's the Lord who keeps you safe. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. Prepare the horse if you want. But you better not be trusting that horse as your ultimate safety. Because just as soon as you have a pistol, they got a machine gun. And just as soon as they got a machine gun, they got a tank. Just as soon as you got a tank, they got a nuclear weapon. All right, it's not a battle of weapons here. It's a battle of faith. And God is greater than all. If he, can, if he can keep people delivered and not even the smell of smoke on them in the fire, he can keep you protected. Church, I know this sounds crazy to the world, but this is the truth. God is with us, and he's not there just to have tea with us. He wants to deliver us. Right. He wants to protect us. But we're going to have to talk like these guys talked. Right. Now, if you want to be a martyr, fine. That's your choice. You'll have a better resurrection. But if you don't want to be a martyr and you want to finish some things on the earth, then choose to believe God and speak his word and declare, He's my refuge. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. It's amazing that one person on an airplane that has engine failure could save the entire, the, all the passengers and the crew by being in faith and saying, mm -mm, his faithfulness reaches to the clouds and he is my protector and I can't die because I got more to do for the Lord. That's right. I mean, one of the greatest stories of divine protection is in Acts chapter 27. Paul's a prisoner and they're taking him to Rome. I know I got to close here and I got to go to these other scriptures, but Paul's a prisoner. We'll, we'll study this later, but read Acts 27. Paul's getting ready to go on a boat as a prisoner to sail to Rome because he appealed to Caesar and they obliged because he was a Roman. They had to oblige. And he's getting ready to get on a boat. And Paul said, Paul didn't say the Lord told me. Paul didn't say I had a vision. He just said, I perceive. Every one of us can develop this inward perception to save your life. Paul said, I perceive. This voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Well, the captain of the ship believed the master of the ship and the uh, owner of the ship more than Paul, and they set sail because outward circumstances look great. They hit the biggest storm of their life, and they all about died. If Paul wasn't on that boat, they would all have been dead, and there'd be no Acts chapter 27. God had mercy on him because Paul said, I believe God. Even though we made this mistake and sailed when we shouldn't have, even though the storm came down, this rocket and wind knocked us all apart, and boats sank, we all swam. He said, we're going to make it because i got to be somewhere. And you just happen to be the people with me, so you get to make it too. Right. Even unbelievers got delivered because he knew how to believe God for divine protection. Now, we'll get into that later, but before we close, go to Matthew 23. Why can't... Why don't some people see the protection of the Lord and other people do? This is a really good question because Jesus addressed it perfectly. Look at NIV, Matthew 23, verse 37. If you don't have the New International Version, you can look on the screen. Matthew 23, 37. Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, 
How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You were not willing. You. It's not, I'm not willing. God said, you weren't willing. Look, look at the um, NLT translation, New Living Translation. Do you have that one back there? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, Jesus said. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. There are some people that are not letting God protect them. It has nothing to do with God not wanting to protect them. Now, whether they're ignorantly doing it or purposely doing it, there are some people that God wants to be able to do more for, but they're not turned toward Him. They're not under the protection. One more scripture, guys, and I'll let you go. Look with me in Luke 13. Luke 13. And I want you to read with me verses 1 through 5. Everybody say, you wouldn't let me. Okay, the Lord's talking to us. He said, I wanted to protect you. You know why the Lord wasn't able to protect a lot of people back in those days? Because, listen closely, church. Because they refused the word that was spoken to them. Okay, a little more homework if you're right and taking notes. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. And then it says, a couple verses down, it says, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet. In other words, the direction you're going in life is vital. He said, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. God's saying, you don't have to get God, let God. Let him help you. Stay on the right path where he can. Hmm? And you know what it says in verse 25? It says, see that you refuse not him that speaks from heaven. He's saying, listen, if you refuse him that speaks from heaven, you refuse the chastening of the Lord. And if you refuse the chastening of the Lord, you're not letting things happen that God wants to happen in your life. Let it be healed. How? Lift up the hands, feeble knees, make straight paths for your feet, and don't refuse him that speaks from heaven. A lot of people get in trouble because they don't, they don't receive correction. God's trying to correct some people because he sees bridge out on the road they're on. A lot of people think, well, pastor just is angry today, or gee, that pastor's trying to help you just like the Lord's trying to help you. He's trying to help you through me to not hit a brick wall. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's going to correct you at times in church, and it's not going to feel good. But it's going to save your life if you don't refuse the word he's speaking right. to you. So important. I know Carla, you know, she, we learned a little bit about being led by the Spirit. We'll read this verse in just a second. We learned a little bit about being led by the Spirit. And I know a lot of you have heard the testimony. But she uh, was in the front yard in the, uh, her mom's and dad's house in Delta. Kids were all playing in the front yard. And she just had 
a perception like Paul, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the ship, but of our lives. She just perceived in her, no voice, not audible voice, no vision, just I perceive. See, it's called, the world calls it a premonition. Inward witness is what the Bible calls it. She just had a, a perception that kids, you need to go play in the backyard. It's a beautiful day, no reason to do that in the natural. Just kids go play in the backyard. As soon as she told the kids to get out of the front yard, into the backyard, a neighbor right across the street came out with a gun and shot and killed himself. How? You would never know that. What's that called? That's called divine protection by taking being led by the Spirit seriously. Understanding how He communicates with you, developing your awareness of His presence. And, hmm? I mean, my father-in-law, they were driving from here to Delta or Delta to here and from the way I remembered it, Glenn, they were in the car and they saw a car coming right for them head on, just right here, just shoo. And as soon as it hit them, it, it didn't hit them. Next thing they knew, they were in the rearview mirror. No swerving, no nothing. Just one minute here, on the highway. Next minute, back there, going the other way. It's pretty good. Okay, so Luke 13, look at this. There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So, so Pilate is just mutilating people. And while they were, while they were offering sacrifices to the Lord, some just demon got a hold of Pilate or something. They just started, and they sent Roman soldiers to start cutting up the people who were cutting up the sacrifices that they were sacrificing to the Lord. So now the people's blood is mixed with the animal's blood. What's that called? That's called terrorism. That's called a huge tragedy of the day. That's called gross murder. Next verse. And Jesus answering said unto them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Stop right there. He's, he's reading their mind. He's saying, so, you heard about this terrible tragedy here. People being butchered while they were just offering sacrifices to the Lord, like the law said. He said, do you think these were worse sinners than all others? Notice he didn't say, do you think they were sinners? He said, do you think they were worse sinners than all? What's his answer? I tell you no. This tragedy didn't happen to them because they were worse sinners. But, except you repent, you're all likewise going to perish. Read the next part here, and I'll, I'll tell you what we'll focus on in closing. Are those 18, Jesus said, upon whom the tire in Siloam, Siloam fell? So they had a, an accident, a tower collapsed, and killed 18 people. And slew them. Do you think they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. This tragedy didn't happen because these guys committed some greater sin than everybody else. Why did it happen? Ah, uh, but... Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Here's the thing that we need to realize. Little sins, big sins, the key is 
Are you living for God? Have you repented from your way? Are you on the road God wants you on? He's talking about turning to God with all your heart, not being perfect in all your actions. Are you following, church? If you read other translations, some are good ones that'll bring this out. You need to realize the Lord's not saying that uh, bad things happen because people sin more than other people. He's saying none of you is safe if you're not where you should be with the Lord. Nobody's safe. Little sin's big sin. If you don't repent and get off of your road and get on the road God wants for your life, nobody's safe. Anybody ever hear that song, Just Go Your Own Way? Dangerous. I know they may have meant something different in the lyrics, but if you're just taking that as a general thing, you do not want to go your own way. You want to repent, stop, and start going the way the Lord wants you to go. And you're still not going to be perfect in your actions, but you can claim divine protection because you're on the right road. He didn't say sin didn't have anything. He said they didn't sin greater than others. But the Lord said, really, you got your mind on the wrong thing. What you need to do is make sure you're right with him. Dwelling in the secret place. Born again. Best of your ability. Living in his will. Not just doing your own thing. Let's stand up.